Hi, this is John Kassir, the voice of the Crypt Keeper, and this is the Midwest Monsters Podcast. <laughs> Exciting episode of the Midwest Monsters Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Grizzly Abner, joined by Professor Wagstaff, Venomous Vinny, Hot Toddy. Good to be with you again, friends, as tonight we visit a franchise based off of one of the Universal Monsters, a feller by the name of the creature from the Black Lagoon. That ain't his name. Oh, that child's name? The Gilman. Or I like to call him Gilman. <laughs> <laughs> Is he Jewish? <laughs> First name Billy. He's related to Billy Gilman, right? Oh dear. So uh, yeah, Gilman, <laughs> creature from the Black Lagoon. Um, Billy Gilman. <laughs> that's an old deep cut for us here. Uh, initial thoughts. Oh, I I love these. Well, I'm not going to say I love these movies because I'm. Eh, I love this character. I think that the, the makeup, the suit, is an an achievement. And uh, practical effects. I one of my I don't know. I, it's hard for me to rank Universal monsters, but this is You're definitely up there. Definitely up there. Sure, sure. Yeah, I like I like the Gilman. Gilman. Um, I, I, I like all the Universal monsters. So, um, of course you do. I'll be first time I ever. I think it's the first time I ever watched this movie. Not around summer. Not around Halloween. That's fair. I yeah. usually do watch the first one around uh, summertime. Um, I also like the one with Brooke Shields as well. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the yeah. one with the dudes beaten off by the rock all the time. Pretty, pretty questionable content for the age group at the time, but yeah. Uh. <laughs> I think you read that off IMDb. Uh, professor, your initial thoughts on the creature? Uh, we covered this on the twenty third Mash episode ninety two. Um, I kind of gushed over it then. I still feel the same. I, it's. I was not on that episode. You were not. Neither was Vinny. This, uh, Hot Toddy and I did that with Rybones and Mad Chan. I couldn't remember if we talked about this on the show or not. I'm like, did we talk about this? We did. You liked it. Okay. Uh, so it'll be a surprise <laughs> if you don't now. Um, but yeah, no, it's. I don't like to rank it with the other Universal monsters, although it's lumped in with them. Um, but I mean, it's, we're talking a decade apart and a whole different cycle of film and a whole different era. Uh, but I will say it's my favorite fifties horror film, um, favorite horror creature from that era and all the atomic age and yeah. all the other things they touched. It's, uh, to echo what Vinny said, it's, it's, it's an accomplishment sure. with the suit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, bombshell. The first time I've ever watched well, we've upset Vinny. Hey, Vinny's leaving. But uh, 
Friends, that's uh, Vinny, uh, host of the show, Letting Out Puka, the uh, official show sponsor, the Yorkie Poo. <laughs> uh, but no, uh, this is the first time I've ever watched any creature movie. Any? At all? Yeah. Like the first one? Yep. Cool. Yeah. Kill yours. <laughs> so what'd you think? Uh, enjoy the first one. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, icon-wise, you know, the creature has definitely always been something I've always seen. I've got a creature cardboard cutout upstairs because I found it at a flea market. Super cheap. I'm like still on that one day. <laughs> I mean, definitely one of the best looking of the Universal Monsters. Um, and yeah, just enjoyed the first film a lot. We could talk about the other films in the franchise, but uh, yeah, just a solid creature. Um, solid too, just to think about, again, the time frame, the importance, why this creature came out. We talk about that a lot with the Universal Monsters, why those films are relevant based on when they came out. So, and and uh, th- this one is kind of the odd man out because this one is more, this, this one came out with the 50 sci-fi movies. Yeah. 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 Much later, much later. So, um, yeah, we could start there and, uh, just launch into the first film. Sweet. All right. So, uh, creature from the black lagoon, 1954, uh, starring Richard Carlson, uh, young Julia Adams, uh, Richard Denning, and Riku Brown, is it Brown or Browning? Browning. Riku Browning as the Gilman in the water, and Ben Chapman as the Gilman on land. And then also, uh, I think I added in here too, um, is it Nestor? Well, there was one guy that had a great name, Whip Bissell. <laughs> he was a character actor. He was in like Monster on the Campus, a ton of movies in the 50s. He's the pipe smoker on the boat. Okay. And I was Whit Bissell. Oh, Whit Bissell. Know your character actor. Nestor uh, Pabia, because he shows up in the scene. Oh, yeah, the only reoccurring. Yeah. Um, and then directed the by... Jack captain, right? Directed mm-hmm. by Jack Arnold. Yes. And uh, this was actually a 3D movie when it originally yeah. came out. Which I'm sure was thrilling, because it was like widescreen yeah. and 3D. And, oh, that would have been fun. I still have never got Especially to see it Especially all 3D. the underwater stuff. Well, you, they say it's not possible to watch it now in the fashion that it was shot it was a different sort of 3d because this is a, this wasn't the red and green this obviously. wasn't the red and blue glasses this is a different process and one that uh has been lost to time yeah 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 lost i made that up but it worked it's true you know uh you know how many of our parents probably finger banged to this movie <laughs> boy we just went for that r rating quick mine were one quick 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 uh so uh synopsis of the film Uh, we've got a, it's basically a geology expedition into the Amazon, uh, where we go down and obviously we're going down there for our research and discovery and we encounter a local legend of the Gilman. Uh, we open with them discovering, um, a skeletal hand with webbed fingers poking out. Um, and they claim the locals claim that they've never seen anything like that before. And then cue your three horn notes that you'll hear for the rest of the film mm-hmm. uh, as the hand pops up right behind him. It's like, oh, hey, uh, that's right behind you. The thing that you've never seen before. <laughs> oh, dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I said it on the original episode. It's my one complaint. Oh, yeah. It's done to incessant. Death. Done to death. There, like, the score is almost not there. It's just... <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, to me... I, I can't believe I'm saying this. 
it's a pretty far reach for the whole missing link aquatic character like it to me it's a kind of a flimsy story but it wor- obviously works but fun, fun if you're younger and put your imagination in yeah it. no for sure i remember seeing this movie for the first time as a kid it was on one of the local television channels and i remember my parents had some 3d glasses because it was being shown in 3d not not the way it was shot the blue and red glasses and i remember being small enough that my parents had to bobby pin them to our heads me and my brother so that they would fit so that we could watch it yeah but we have the we have this expedition that's uh down in the amazon and we basically as you would expect encounter our creature in the area um our main two hurdles uh narratively speaking uh is our creature uh who one could say falls in love with the beautiful woman um and we go back and forth with that while also dealing with uh, kind of the classic dilemma in these situations, which is do we exploit it yeah, or do we respect it and study it? And so you kind of have the two male leads split between that going against each other. But then you also have the creature itself becoming increasingly more and more interested in the woman who has shown up in his spot. Um, or do you go to where the creature is and try to preach the gospel to him? <laughs> do they know <laughs> and get some shit chucked in you? <laughs> yeah, cold as ice. But that's—I mean—that's basically our the general idea of the yeah. film. We've we've waded into um, this prehistoric leftover uh, creature into his area uh, originally with the idea of research and discovery, and then. Um, dealing with the creature itself once we come face to face with it. Um, yeah, that's basically the general idea. I mean, do we want to rip all the way through right down to the end? No, I mean, I think that's a pretty good overall gist if we just want to start talking about. Um, one thing that strikes me about this movie when I watch it is I find it crazy the amount of scenes that there are. Abs- there's absolutely no dialogue. Yeah. That stands out to me as far as filmmaking goes. Just odd how many scenes don't have dialogue. Also, I think I feel like this is the most inhuman of all of Universal's monsters that they had. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I think we should mention the creature designers uh, because I mean this thing looks perfect. It's incredible. If, this is kind of like to me Wizard of Oz. Man, like the the special effects for the Today to compare to some the of the creature shit that comes still, out today. It, the creature still yeah. looks good today. If, if you held this up to some of the stuff that just came out in 2018, your shit looks like doo-doo. I believe that and the, the costume credit awesome. goes to Bud Westmore for the most part. Although Millicent Patrick, uh, for a long time she was very uncredited, but she is the one who more or less did the creature designs on paper and that's very much what it was based off of so i just want to mention them just because this was such a feat to create this thing and like when he gets out of the water and he's breathing and you've got the gills moving and like just incredible how how they dealt with underwater where in the sequels they they made it cheaper and and gave up but like he actually like would have to hold his breath for four minutes at a time because they didn't want air bubbles to come out of his out of his head yep 
I think it's I think it's a, an incredible film. I still really enjoy watching. Not only cinematography wise is it amazing with those underwater thoughts, got shots like just absolutely incredible. <laughs> Did you say underwater thoughts? I don't know what I said. I was listening to what somebody else was saying. Who knows what I said? Uh, shots, I believe, is what I meant to say. If I did, say I think thoughts. one of the coolest things is like a lot of the times where he kind of like does this backstroke underwater to follow the characters. Very, very Beautiful. sexual. Yeah, you can read in a lot of sexuality with that that dance or whatever. Gilman wanted to get wet. He did too, boy. <laughs> Uh, that's a play on it because he's underwater. I'm going to dial this down. I can see Vinny getting a little aroused. So <laughs> I was going to go on about the two guys. but <laughs> um, Based on, you know, as we were talking about the origin of the film, the purpose, um, the missing link, the creationist story there, I like that they open the film with a cool intro linking creation and evolution together. Mm -hmm. So it's like a scientific view and a religious view. I think that was handled very well, um, especially based on the time, mm -hmm. right? To say like, no, we think that there's merit to evolution and it doesn't interfere mm -hmm. with God's creation. Um, which I can't believe wasn't more scandalous at the time, mm -hmm. which maybe shows kind of how we've taken a step back uh, in the way we think today yeah. by how that would have been probably boycotted by some religious fundamental religious fundamentalist groups. I'm curious to hear some of your thoughts <laughs> seeing as how this is your first viewing. So it, I want to hear what you have to say. All on you, it. bud. All right. All no on pressure. you. Uh, <laughs> We're going to sit here and stare at you. Our friendship relies on this. Yep. No pressure. Um, did you guys notice how nice it was with him <laughs> swimming underneath? people <laughs> <laughs> obviously some of the most iconic shots of the film right the mirror image Certainly. of him swimming underneath uh that really stood out to me but that's obvious right um <laughs> it's it's a good film still uh fun still serious um some things that i could still laugh at in the film that weren't like cheesy but uh, I love the part where, where Gilman is on land, and I said he's looking like your drunk friend trying to walk up and talk to a girl. <laughs> he's trying to like get close to her. But um, it's kind of the evolution of Gilman too, right? Like you think of like we were joking about, you know, tribes that have not been contacted by you know the outside world years later. Well, Gilman has not interacted with people really. Um, you know, they talk about, well, there's this lagoon that we don't go to because there's this creature, but you know, whether it's interacting with the people of that area or interacting with these scientists who are really wanting to probe and get into it. I mean, this is the evolution of his world changing as well. So it's not just the modern world changing, it's Gilman's world changing too. I think that's an interesting perspective. Definitely. I, I like uh, all three movies touch on it, but I kind of thought it was funny watching them back to back is that today scientists are considered like dweebs and nerdy in the 1950s. They were like the man's man. Like, Oh yeah. Like, oh, I'm a scientist. Yeah. Like I'm all buff. And um, so this is a time period too, where, where scientists and science itself were thought of a little differently than I, I think how we perceive it now, where, now, if this movie was made now, the scientist would be some little dweeby dude that, you know. <laughs> Well, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, no, that I mean that's a really good point with the the atomic era of film to have kind of scientists be armed as the alphas for the situation because if there's somebody that's going to save the day, it's going to be them. Yeah, um, that's that's a really good point. You and you kind of have the best of both worlds within the two, um, <clears throat> because and even more so in the sequel. I'm sure we'll talk about this, but there's there's lots of hints of King Kong. Um, with these films, especially the first two, but mainly the second. Absolutely. Um, But you kind of have that kind of split on how we want to treat the discovery, as I mentioned before, exploiting it versus um, nurturing it. Which is funny that this far later, this is still a theme that we are very familiar with. Oh, yeah. Conservation versus exploitation. Yep. Oh, yeah. Which is more profitable. Yep. And in a lot of ways, it's it's in our current events every day, yep. just in a, under a different name and how we view global warming mm-hmm. and the arguments that are constantly going back and forth between that. And you, you have people uh, that clearly deny science in the name of profit. I mean, it's something I mean, I write my legislators about all the time as someone since I'm a hunter and a conservationist. I mean, constantly they're trying to impede on public lands that are set aside for habitat. So they can exploit them, yeah, for resources. Yep. Yeah, I mean this is still ongoing. Yeah, um, and I know that we touched on the cinematography, but I want to say that the creature design is impeccable. It's perfect. Um, I mean, we're we're well over fifty years now since then, and it still looks incredible. I mean, it looks better than things you would see in a movie that came out today. Yeah. Um, with the movement on the side, with the gills. And, and the eyes and everything. I feel like I'm watching a living thing breathe. It's badass. Yeah. I mean, it is utterly perfect. And, and, and the, you know, Rico Browning, like, was the perfect, you know, six foot, like, slender, like, swimmer's build. Well, and he like, got down there the and moved like a ballet. Yeah. I mean, his, his effort, and that's, that's what I was going to say, too, is what catapults this movie. While the creature design is great, there's other movies that have nice creature design. Not as good as this one from that era, but still they had really good ones. The movies weren't like this because this movie has that underwater camera work from Wellburn that is just phenomenal. He, the way he lights it, it's like a fantasy down there. Um, and it really takes the viewer and just puts them smack dab somewhere else with just what you're watching under there. And so that elevates these scenes um, with the creature swimming with the the pretty girl. Uh, It makes that all the more beautiful and elegant with the way we do that and the movements that they both have. But also it makes, in my opinion, the, the best horror scene, the best scary scene in the entire franchise is when Mark gets ripped down. He's getting tore up and gets dragged down. To me, that's the best moment of, of terror mm-hmm. in the franchise. And the reason that works is because we are so used to being underwater with the camera and it being effective that we're not fixated on that. We're just there. Right. And so the movie that's that to me is where the strength is because most movies like this, you know, when you're on land and then, you know, when you're in a swim tank in Burbank and there's none of that in this, that the way that that is shot and put together, that's what just catapults this movie. It's all the underwater stuff and it's everybody involved. They all did such a good job with that. 
um, that that's what makes this movie kind of transcend its peers. I mean, it's just on another level because of that. And it, it's really, it's almost shocking to look back at a film from that era, especially with Universal, who wasn't notorious for spending a lot of money on things. Um, for there to be a movie that was presented in true 3D and this widescreen and, and this beautiful camera work and this top-notch outfit. Like, it's just the fact that they put all these pieces together in this film is what makes it so special because you go back and you watch movies from the 50s and so many of them are fun, but they're clunky. Mm-hmm. And you are okay with that because they're entertaining. Right. But And you just kind of make concessions for it. You don't... There's none of that here. This movie think, from start to finish is And I think they're rather legit. seamless with the shots that they shot on location in Florida versus the stuff they shot on the back lot at Universal. Yeah. It's flawlessly ties together. You can't, to me, you can't tell which ones were shot where. Yeah. There's yeah. never been anything duplicated again like that. And I don't, I don't feel like this movie's mentioned enough, but like when I, re- I, and I probably touched on this the last time we talked about Creature, but to me, when you watch these movies, you see all the influences, like like even you know if we're gonna talk an underwater movie, Jaws is the go to. Oh yeah, Jaws definitely was influenced by Creature. Oh, Creature uh, was the first movie that made you afraid yeah. to get in the water. Well, not not only that, but like you know the 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 music, the do it, Vinny. Dun dun dun. <laughs> so you know, like you have the 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 Creature music. Uh, a lot of the the like you know you you see the swimmer from above and you know there's danger below. Um, it's not just Jaws; like so many movies took from this film. Um, I'm glad you brought that up because I was looking for a picture to show you guys, but just a few weeks ago, uh, Doug Jones met Riku Browning. That is awesome. I saw that picture. It was amazing. That's cool. And, um, for those of you listening, Doug Jones, one of our favorites here, one of the greatest creature actors of our time. He's well, probably the greatest creature actor of our time. Um, certainly. And, and And a uh, native. Yeah. Native. Yep, native Hoosier, yep. Ball State graduate, as yep. we sit here in Muncie, Indiana. Um, but he plays the creature in the shape of water, and he says flat out, no doubts about it, that Riku Browning directly influenced hit the whole way that he played that character. Yeah, and of course, this is an Oscar winning film. Yeah, you know. So I mean, the influences, as you said, Todd, far reaching, still yeah, and, to this day. And again, yeah, like this isn't a movie that died a couple years later. Like, I feel like almost any underwater movie you see, there's a creature from the Black Lagoon. Well, you know, and here's the thing. I just said, I'm 40 years old, and I just talked about how when I was a kid, it was on TV, and I watched it with my parents. And then last night on MeTV, Sven showed the creature from the Black Lagoon in 2018. I mean, that just tells you right about the staying power of this movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Well, any other just notes about the film in general? Um, I'm shocked that it hasn't been destroyed with horrific remakes. Um, yeah. And no one's ever. They've and not ever gotten it together. I mentioned on the original episode that what disenchanted Carpenter with Hollywood was remaking this. Yeah. He made Village of the Damned, and they were. And he said, I'll make that. You let me make this. They were like, cool. Village of the Dam came out and it flopped, and they were like, "Ah, we don't know about that." He was like, "To hell with all of you!" And if, he never really, he never really got back in a groove again. Um, and I think, in large part, to that. Yeah. How cool would that have been, though, for him for him to? Oh man. Back still in the era where we could have had some practical used, 
That could have been neat. Could you imagine Carpenter writing a script about the two guys fighting each other over exploitation versus uh, conservation? Uh, <laughs> uh, they live 20 minute yeah, battles exactly. underwater. <laughs> right? Um, my only other note, and this is important, is that this film follows in the <clears throat> textbook tropes of the Universal Monster. That when the creature gets a hold of somebody, his instinct is to choke them, choke them out. <laughs> the universal monsters always always choke choking people, people out. out. That's always. what they do. Yeah, daddy. <laughs> I, love it. I love it. Led to a whole era of fetishism. Um, so, uh, creature from the Black Lagoon. Any other notes before we head on? No. Watch it, even yeah. if you're not that interested in films yeah. from that era. That needs to be on your list. Absolutely. So, uh, moving forward, uh, we get the sequel, Revenge of the Creature, one year later, 1955. Uh, director Jack Arnold returns. Uh, pretty much new cast, except for Nestor Pavia uh, returns as Lucas, which one of the smaller characters. And Riku Browning uh, returns as the Water Gilman. Uh, also starring uh, John Agar. Lori Nelson, John Brumfield, um, and a very young Clint Eastwood. Mr. Eastwood. Jack Arnold returned to direct this one as well. Um, and then uh, Tom Tom Hennessy plays the Gilman on land. Gotcha. Gilman. I can drink a whole Hennessy fifth. And, uh, <laughs> Do you need a wood chaser? Call, this is a rare, uh, rare movie that, um, I called a gift. that a sequel to a 3D movie, and the sequel was also in 3D. And then uh, early plot line to Jaws 3D. Yeah. So in this one, you've got another university hunting the creature. Because they, you know, they want to get that funding money, that science money. Cash uh, money. Cash money. And so this one picks up where the first one leaves off in the Amazon. Uh, they They go to capture the creature, bring him back to Florida. What a fate. Yeah. Gosh, where he can uh, retire now? Which and... what I for, forget the name of the of the basically a Sea World park in Florida that allowed them to use their location for this movie. But yeah, mm-hmm. so basically they <laughs> they take the creature from his habitat and bring him back to like a Sea World yeah. type. Like, place. hey, you were you were here, you were chilling, you were left alone. No, you just went through some shit. But no, nah, uh, dog. We're, yeah, we're gonna rip you out of there and bring you up to the ball sack of America, <laughs> which is where much of like the professor had said before, the the comparison to King Kong comes from with this particular yeah, movie because this one was definitely uh, they had they had standees of the creature. Uh, he was he was the uh, the sideshow attraction. Yeah, he was the attraction. Um, do we want to do initial thoughts? Sure. Uh, Grizzly Abner, <laughs> since you're the virgin, this one was okay. Uh, definitely didn't recapture all the magic of the first film um i've got some fun notes about this but it is interesting again capturing the king kong essence later what uh you know lost world jurassic park would do and bringing the t-rex back with them i mean just you know these tropes that got used over and over again but uh um not a bad film just not as good as the first film I thought this was a strong sequel. Uh, probably the original one was better. Probably. Um, well, I liked the sequel. <laughs> I thought the sequel was fun. Yeah. Um, 
I thought there was like a good continuation. Um, you know, they could have just kind of copied the formula of the first film. Kind of probably what I like the most about this one is for Universal, typically by the time they hit a sequel, it had nothing to do like with even a lot of like, like, uh, you know, the exception of Bride of Frankenstein, Frankenstein started kind of going all over the place. Mm-hmm. Dracula by the sequel had nothing to do with the first film. Yeah. Uh, the mummy, each film was a different mummy. Um, so this one was cool because it picked up right where the last one left off and, and continued. So I thought it was a strong sequel. Um, the first one's better. I, I like this movie a lot as well. I think it, I think it's a very good sequel. I like the decision to, like you said, not just rehash the same movie again, but they by taking the creature out completely out of his element and bringing him into our world, it allowed to com- to tell a completely different kind of story about the creature. Um, yeah, I like this. I like this sequel. I think this is. I think this is a very, very good sequel, especially like you said, compared to some of the other sequels that you would see over the years with Universal. I think this one was a pretty strong one. Um, if you're looking for more Gilman, it'll give you that. Yeah. Um, it's a it's a harmless film. I mean, if we're if we're truly analyzing this, it's inferior. Sure. Um, it was hastily made. They were they were filming this while the first one was still playing in Florida. Um, they rushed through it. <clears throat> now, one of the stronger elements is that we have the cameraman back for the underwater stuff. So you still get some elements of that, especially in that great tense segment with them trying to revive him and, and swimming him around like a shark. In yeah. There. And um, I thought that that was really drawn out and patient for a, for a sequel in the fifties of a creature movie. Yeah. Um, I thought that, you know, that was, that was a really, uh, fun spot. I always enjoy that. I think romance hurts this film. I think they spend way too much time on that. On the human characters. Yeah. Yeah. And which is miraculous because we also give the creature way more screen time. So it's like they somehow managed to, to take away some of the mystery of that with all of the creature on land, but we also have bogged down with this romance between people that to be perfectly honest, aren't very interesting. Now, John Agar and Lori Nelson both had good careers. They were in tons of other movies of that era. They're fine. Just in this movie, it's, it's rather uninspired. Like their characters are just kind of flat. And so you really don't get a whole lot from them. Um, which is kind of disappointing because, like I said, they were always strong in films. And so you would think a creature sequel with those two, especially, and Jack Arnold back, same cameraman, um, that it would nail it. But I, I just, it's not a bad movie. Like, you still get what you paid for. Mm-hmm. It's it's enjoyable enough. Um, but the it is a you know, stark contrast between the original that was just the year before. That's why I think this. it was smart to completely remove it from the atmosphere of the first one. Can you imagine if they would have, with that, that slashed of a budget, tried to, tried to cut corners and stay in the lagoon? Because yeah. so the creature I think already it, is different yeah. by, by the fact that you can see bubbles. The few, the, the design is different <clears throat> a well, little bit in the, the head. The face was more rounded. Yep. And they switched, I think it was they switched the performers at last minute. And so that it didn't fit. And yes. that's why the air's coming out of the yeah. top. Did, then they yeah. also, so they, they had hired somebody else Besides Riku in this one, right? Yeah. And then they they fired him, and so 
the costume was fit for the other guy. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's why you have the air coming out top, which kind of just lends itself as even you know, with the differences, the subtle differences with the creature costume. It still looks great, and that's why it doesn't bother me that it gets so much camera time. Because if you have a costume that looks that good, put that shit on. Yeah, it looks good. Let people look at it. I, its I, eyes are weak. I think. Too. I think the oddest it's more thing ping pongy. The yeah. oddest thing for me, which is strange, but is when when they feed him that there's all this fish just floating around him, and then they drop a fish in a cage, and that's like like he could clearly clean up if he was hungry. Um, but a cool thing that I did read was that you know they were filming this in real tanks, and that the actors legit got in with sharks and barracudas and and all kinds of other. Uh, they, they had a turtle that took a bite out of say, it. Yeah, the, the only the only mess up was a turtle bit one of his one of his feet. Bit of chunk. Oh, it took off out. with yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> Hate it when that happens. Uh, um, I, I am concerned um, later in the film. Why did the gay couple have to die on the beach? Um, <laughs> <laughs> but one of the most epic throws in, was one of the gay dudes. Yeah, and and you know. You like that, bigot? <laughs> <laughs> when, I mean, it's just part of the epic display of his strength. That's the thing I did like about this, too. Yes, in that he throws that dude and just throws him like 20 yards to hit he that He flips tree. that car over. I love that He scene. throws the car, he, he jumps up and, and like leaps up. And I think it's cool, too. The only thing I liked about, I agree with the love story. What I like about it, though, is that um, is it Joe is the third guy, mm. the second guy, you know what I mean? The third part of the love triangle. The fact that he, he dies during that, like to me, I, I can imagine, especially a, a 1950s audience would go, <gasps> yeah. You notice when the car gets flipped over, it hits the camera and the <laughs> cameraman? <laughs> no. I was going to kick out of that. Uh, I like, too, when they are going to the lagoon to get him, like whenever he pops up it looks like he's waving at him like he's sticking his hand out all over. Hey! Hey all over here! Um, Just made some flounder. Basically my notes uh, except you know the questionable ending is he dead? Just like the first movie. Yeah. I'm always fine with that. Yeah. Pop off some rounds. Yeah. Let him crawl off. We'll decide later. Which I think is one of the only not the only, like I said, this is a, this is a fine film. It's okay, um, but I think one of the best things that it adds to the mythology is his strength. Oh yeah, and so that teamed with him getting shot a bunch of times, it's like, is he advanced enough in evolution that you know it just he's tough enough that he can survive? Oh, that, and I feel like even the skin to me looks like armor. Like when they shoot him with a harpoon gun, and it like sticks in the top layer of it, and he just kind of throws it off. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, that dude loves that harpoon gun. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I think another we we touched on the science. It's phallic, part, but but another part <laughs> that I, I think deals with. So number one, the uh, something we haven't touched on is the the role of the women in the film. There's there's still kind of like we have to protect you, but the women are kind of tough for 1950s, mm-hmm. um, especially for film, and also is the idea that just animals and anything that's non-American or non-human is stupid. Um, so I think with each film, it keeps evolving that this animal slash creature is, isn't as dumb as, you know, because um, again, this is a time period where it's just like, you know, animals are like they, the do- the educated dolphin, mm-hmm. like the dolphin's <laughs> probably smarter than most people in this film. Um, 
But this is a time period where animals are just thought of as completely stupid. Mm-hmm. Word. Up. Word. <laughs> Word up. Right on. So, uh, anything more to say on the Revenge of the Creature? Uh, just if you love the first, keep going with it. It'll True. give you more of what you like. Not a seminal film, not a classic by any means. It did but give you more ball. It, it gives you what you sign up for. <laughs> All right. Very well. Let's head in to the third and final film. So the third film, The Creature Walks Among Us, uh, one year later from two, 1956. Um, not a lot of people returning for this one. Um, I think the only person returning is Riku Browning as Gilman underwater. Uh, and then a whole new cast. So Jeff Morrow, uh, Rex Regan, Regan, Regan. I can't read. Uh, Lee Snowden, Greg Palmer, um, and then John John Magman played Gilman Land on the Land. Um, you can give an initial thoughts of this one. Uh, do we want to give initial th- or a synopsis first? What do we want to do? Uh, so so basically, this one picks up right where two ends, uh, where it's it's still in Florida. Um, they go to look for the creature. Uh, he's loose in the Everglades. Yeah, so so he's loose. Um, they capture him. He catches on fire. Yeah, he he leaps up onto the boat and attacks him. They throw gasoline on him and th- catch him on fire. That boat jump was cool. Yes, it was. This, this leads me partly to the synopsis and my opinion. So to me, this is a, a really good movie until about forty minutes in it. Kind of. It's. After what's funny is about this movie is you can certainly see the budget cut immediately. They are recycling underwater shots like crazy from the first movie. Well, and this, so this is the first one, non 3d. Mm -hmm. Um. Oh, so the synopsis. So he gets burned. They take him back. They realize how bad the burns are. They think they're going to lose him. But what they find out is. He's evolving. He has lungs too. And yeah. now they've kicked in. And then as they realize his outer skin has burned off and underneath it, he has human skin. Which somehow he goes from a, a swimmer's bill to a, like he emerges looking like <sighs> Tiny Lister Jr. coming out of prison. <laughs> <laughs> like, kind of looking like Uncle Fester. Yeah. Yeah. So about that initial thought, uh, boy, what a weird third film. Yes. Um, <clears throat> I don't have a lot of kind things. To I can't. Say I can't say one. that. I can't say I hate this movie, but it is the word. It's definitely the worst. Oh, it's in the trilogy. Sure. And it, to me, it has somewhat of a strong beginning. I'm, I'm held interest. To me, where they lose me is when he emerges looking. Like there's just let's just say he's not going to win the Oscar. There's a couple of things with this movie by far the the worst of the three. There's a couple of things about this movie after watching it again where I'm a little bit kinder to it, certain aspects of it. Um, but all in all, it's not a great movie. Professor, I have <laughs> trashed this movie for years. I was wrong. Whoa! Wow. This movie is not that bad. Here's the problem. It's the third movie in this trilogy. That's true. If you strip this away and you call it The Monster Walks Among Us. Season of the Witch. 
people would be all over this. Yeah. If you compare it from its era, for starters, this has more horror elements to it than the other films do. Right off the bat. He, with I, the, with I, I feel the, like he is more violent, and uh, I can see that. Now, it's important for me to stress, too, this doesn't sniff the first film. <laughs> I'm not saying it's a better sure. movie in any way. Um, but the horror, the horror elements are there. We take kind of that gothic approach with the mad scientist and, and kind of the unkiltered nature of him. Um, and it's just, I really truly believe though, that if this weren't directly attached to that, which in fairness to trashing it, it is, it's part three, you know what I mean? So it's there, but I really do think that if this had just been made its own thing, that this would have been better than half of the fare for that decade, because there is some goofy shit and most of it is fun. And so I kind of like the idea of what this film is. And I particularly like the full cycle ending mm-hmm. with forcing, we have forced this thing to land and now it is quietly drifting back after all that we've went through. Um, and so like, again, I'm not saying this is a great movie by any means, but I wanted to clarify that because I have made fun of it. And evidently from an ignorant standpoint, because for years <laughs> I'd be like, Oh, creature in the blazer. Great movie. It's this not, not that right. bad. It, no, and you're, you're right. It's not you're that ignorant. bad. However, um, the the crowning achievement of the the first two was the creature design, certainly. And which, is, which is there so for the third. Let's take that away. Midway. The only I, I think I saw on the bonus features they said the only scene of the of new footage of the creature as we knew him is when he leaps up onto the boat. Yeah. That is the only new stuff that was shot of the classic creature. The the constant he looks like a drac from a uh, enemy mine after <laughs> yeah. he's been burned. <laughs> yeah. And I I I can respect that they try they're like they don't want to keep trotting out the same bullshit so they which, are making changes. Which is nice. You know, I do respect that. It again, it's the weakest of the three, but I think you're right. I don't think it's as bad as it's commonly referred to as being yeah it's, it's still a very great. flawed film but at the end like the end of it if we want to go there with it where the creature is standing looking at the ocean that he can no longer go out and be in the water and a tear runs down its face like that's one of the saddest endings for the the monster of a movie that i've ever seen yeah you could say it chokes you up like the monsters do, everything else. <laughs> Two hands around your throat. So there was a there was less choking in this film. Yes, better cast. Um, I, I what I thought was interesting because for the time period, the fact that um, the relationship of the husband and wife, and the fact that she's like flirting with the other doctor, which makes him jealous with rage. Um, I mean. I didn't live during this time period, but I'd have to say that's pretty taboo. I've seen that actor who played her husband, like from stuff from the seventies. Like I remember being a couple episodes of the incredible Hulk and he's horrendous as a television actor. Like he's wooden. He's his delivery's awful, but he wasn't bad in this movie, which begs what the fuck happened to this guy and his acting ability (laughs) as the years pass. You can only act good with the Gilman, I guess. I only have one note about this film and it's (laughs) tight suit player. (laughs) (laughs) 
He's becoming a human man. He needs he needs his needs. He needs proper clothing. Uh, the worst part about the Gill Man is, in all of these movies, dude wasn't ever really the bad guy. <laughs> like dude. the whole time, I mean, like really, he's the victim. Yeah, the whole time he is the victim. Rough Sons stuff, Gill Mitches. Sons of bitches. All right. Well. <laughs> The but creature yeah, walks among us. I think, though, with that, it's important to remember, though, that if you go into watching the third one just by itself and don't fixate on the creature, you'll actually enjoy it okay. I can, if, if you're interested in 50s. I, I'm going mean, to be honest. I like all three films. But but to me, the third I'm is the I'm going weakest. to watch the third the, the least. Yeah. But, I, but well, I, st- I still like the third film. Yeah, it's all yeah. right. Professor, as you pointed out, this is a flip of the script with... Um, you know, this one is more in line with Frankenstein. You know what I mean? Yes. The, the obsession of the you're go you're tapping back into the old Universal themes. Oh man, when, and ideas. when when he knocks down the electrical fence, that's my first thought was Frankenstein. Was was he's like yeah. it's a, like electrocutions coming out and he's like Burr. right because now the question is about the humanity and who really is the monster? Is it the humans or is it the Gilman? Yeah. Which I love that we keep calling him Gilman. <laughs> uh, that's uh, I'm love. I mean, I for, hate you for the listeners, that's a reference to how much I love uh, Jennifer Tilly calling Redman Redman in the uh, Chucky sequels. But uh, no, really, it explores that theme in a way that the first two films don't. And 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 again, compared to a lot of the to, compared really to all of the Universal monsters. This one at least had a, a at least a strong trilogy. I'm surprised. Yeah, that, I'm surprised they showed the restraint to not try to keep milking it beyond three. Yeah, they did because, like a house of house, yeah house, house of, of Gilman. Gilman. Yeah, <laughs> I will say that the and you know honestly the only straight up reference to the actual Gilman that I've ever seen in any it's other Gilman. movie is a uh, Monster Squad. Oh uh, yeah, I love that he pops up in Monster which Squad. I love that costume in Monster Squad. Oh, it's good. And I Billy Gilman's like Christmas albums are strong. <laughs> but yeah, that but for being such an iconic character, it is very odd for being so iconic that we haven't seen remakes. You haven't seen him referenced in more movies. I guess loosely you could say that Guillermo del Toro has referenced him in the Hellboy movies with Abe Sapien and with Shape of Water. But Shape of Water was definitely Creature from the Black Lagoon. I mean, the it's thing not, is, it's, though, it's his love letter to Creature. Is I think yeah. that movie is so worshipped by that generation of filmmakers that nobody has the stones to lay it down. I think Carpenter was there and I think there's been so many troubled issues with things nearly happening that well, people finally just got exhausted on touching it. I feel like they yeah. approached uh, Del Toro to, uh, to remake creature and then he probably felt that, like, mm, I'm not going to do that, but let me make an original movie. That is my yeah. love letter yeah. to, to creature Some fish sex. Yeah. But you don't I, I liked it the first time I saw it when it's called Splash. That's <laughs> <laughs> called. <laughs> well, all right, for the creature of the Black Lagoon trilogy. Hashtag Gilman in your guts. <laughs> you think you laid some eggs a few times when the ladies were out? Yes. <laughs> Well, before this that, thing spirals too much further, that's out the of fourth film I want to see is a is a little a little Gilman crawling out the cuckoo. I want, and for those of you bingo. playing Midwest Monsters <laughs> yeah. Bingo, 
I want to see uh, Coot Square. I want to see the the creature walks among us. Some stock footage used in some suit commercials. <laughs> Joseph A. Banks or something. <laughs> You're gonna love the way you look. <laughs> All right, big so, and tall. <laughs> more thoughts on the creature trilogy. I love the character. I, I love the character of the Gill Man. I, lo- I love these three movies, um, some more than others, but th- these are always going to have a place with me, and I'm always going to ha- own a copy of them. And I'm always going to. I watch Creature probably once a year, usually Same. Revenge. First is a classic. Um, and then second will give you more of the goods. And again, if you want to check out three. Just look at it as a different. That's thing. every few years. For and, me. and and again, the fact that they act, you know, there was some restraint shown to this series. So to me, it's it's a strong trilogy. Yes, I agree. I've cool. seen much worse. Well, first time around, uh, I'm glad I watched all three, and definitely will be revisiting the first film consistently. All right. Well, wrap it up for the Midwest Monsters Podcast. One of your hosts, Grizzly Adner, joined by Professor Wagstaff, Venomous Vinny, Hot Toddy. Stay scary. <laughs> <laughs>